What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's Louis DiBiase joining you on this Wednesday edition of the show alongside my co-host, Gino Camilleri. What's going on, man? Not much. Ready for this big matchup on Monday night. Dude, this is Real huge. excited for it. This is a big Oh, yeah. One. Like, we I got to hope the Cowboys lose tomorrow, though. That's that's a big one. So we got Cowboys Saints tomorrow on Thursday Night Football. And Thursdays are always weird, but there's no excuse for that Saints team not to blow Dallas out of the building. Like, there's – I mean, we talked about – I mean, we saw the Eagles not being able to compete with the Saints offensively. I don't know how the Cowboys come away with that win. I mean, if they do, just – end the season now <laughs> I mean yeah I find it hard to come by that they're going to win this game I know the Saints are getting Marcus Davenport back in uh, Dak Prescott does not know how to step up in the pocket so if he's in there Kim Jordan and Davenport are going to wreak havoc like the Saints are you know how I feel about the Saints that they're destined right. for glory this year so I think they're going to come out and beat them but that's what we need. We need everything to go right, just like uh, I was discussing on Twitter today with some people that 2008 season that it wasn't over till it's over. Like everything has to go right for this team now. But let's hope things start swinging our way, and they have. We had a nice comeback in that last game, and starting to get guys healthy. Washington's team is just getting decimated with injuries. Cowboys are still the Cowboys, so things are starting to look up for the Eagles. Yeah, it's been a while since I've had to use the playoff machine, dude. Like, probably 2015. I mean, even 2016, like, they weren't really in it late in the season. After that Cowboys loss on Sunday Night Football, you can kind of tell, like, down the stretch they were pretty much out of it after that losing streak they had. But, like, 2015 even, we talk about how what a disaster Chip Kelly's final year was. They, it was week, I think, 15 or 16 against this Redskins team, and Deshaun Jackson took us out again. But if they had won that football game... They were close to winning the NFC East that year, despite having a terrible regular season because of how bad the East was. And we're kind of in a similar situation now where I even wrote an article on LockdownEagles.com getting the Eagles into the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. There's a way. But again, Gino, it starts this Monday night against the Redskins, and it really starts tomorrow with this Cowboys team, which is, to me, the bigger threat to the Eagles winning the NFC East because Washington, they're 6-5 and five now. They were 6-3. and three. They dropped the past two games against Houston and Dallas. Me and you have been saying all year long, I think this is a phony team. I don't think they were as good as their record showed, and it's starting to catch up now. They lost Alex Smith. Now they have Colt McCoy. I think it's finally time that Washington's going to take a step back. But, again, this Eagles team, you know, even if they want to make the playoffs at 8-8, eight and eight, they have to win these three division matchups. Yeah, they have to sweep this division the rest of the way. It's going to be no tough to come by to. a win. Oh, no, yeah, you're the better team. You should you should kill Washington both times you play them, especially that Week 17 game when everything is going to be on the line. And I expect the Skins to be out of it by then because Cole McCoy is taking them nowhere. Let's just, let's just be honest. He has no interceptions Foles. against Dallas last week. Yeah, Dallas's defense has been playing well, but a, a lot of them, the Eagles would have came away with interceptions in those same exact scenarios. So... Hopefully we get a couple this week. We saw how uh, productive it was when we got one last week against the Giants. So we got to continue in that department. We got to continue just to bear down in the run game. I think getting Josh Adams a a lot of carries this game is going to be essential. Mixing Corey Clement. Keep Zach Ertz rolling. I, I know they've been allowing a lot of big plays on the outside. So let's see if we can get a big play going. Let's let's establish the run game. Get some play action shots in there, and for once, let's see that camera angle that you know that I love, where Wentz just cocks his arm and the camera's downfield, and you're just waiting for the wide receiver to catch it in stride. Hopefully, that's Nelson Aguilar just running in for 70 yard touchdown. That'd be great to see. 
And look, Washington, they are a good defense. I'll give them credit. I kind of compare them to the Bills team of last year where they have a lot of a lot of good defensive players, but there's not a lot of stars. I mean, I feel like Josh Norman and Ryan Kerrigan are probably the biggest names on that defense, but for the most part, they're a productive defense that's really just a, a unit that collectively is really strong, but there's not a lot of stars on that roster. But to me, you look again on the offensive side and with how the Eagles were building off of that second half against the Giants defensively, how good that defensive line played. They could be getting back Jalen Mills, pretty much your entire secondary outside of Ronald Darby back this week with Sidney Jones. I feel like Jones is a bit of a long shot to play on Monday night, but Avante Maddox should be back as well. So again, I know this has been a disappointing year for the Eagles at 5-6, and six, but there is it's kind of embarrassing for me, even now. I mean, they're only a game back. You can... With a Saints win tomorrow and with a win on Monday night, you're right there at 6-6 six and six with Washington and with Dallas. There's no excuse to not get into, into the playoffs this year with the type of division situation that the Eagles have. Like With everything going wrong, it seems like, for the Birds this year, they still have this great opportunity to make it. Absolutely, and the division's the route that you're going to have to go. If they were to pull off one of those victories against the Panthers or the Vikings earlier this year, I could say we still had a chance at the wild card. I mean, right yeah, now, Washington's... Tough. Yeah, it's going to be very tough, especially with that those two games against Houston and the Rams, because Houston looks like one of the top three teams in football right now. Their offense and defense are just clicking on all cylinders. Even with the loss of Will Fuller, they're still managing to just score at an exponential rate right now. I mean, their receiver that they brought in at the trade deadline scored two touchdowns on Monday night. What's that like? Because I I don't know what that's like. (laughs) By the way, if uh, shameless plug, if you guys missed, I got into the Golden Tate situation on yesterday's podcast, so check that out, LockdownEagles.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you can find our podcast. But, man, this is one of the more – probably the most important Lincoln Financial Field regular season game that I can think of in a while. I mean, last year against Oakland was pretty important because it secured a bye week for the Eagles, which – was part of the reason they made the Super Bowl. But outside of that, I mean, again, 2016, there weren't a lot of big ones. Even last year, I feel like this week is bigger because this could be – got to get this team into the playoffs, not only for just who knows what's going to happen next year. This team might look a lot different. You might lose a lot of these older key pieces that won you a Super Bowl last year and that could give you another chance in the playoffs this year. So you want to maximize that window that Howie Roseman thought – they were going to have this year, and it's why he kept a lot of the same guys together. It's why he traded for Golden Tate at the deadline. And not only for that, though, but Carson Wentz getting playoff experience is huge for this team. I agree 100%. Yeah, I mean, he goes down with that knee injury last year. He's just sitting on the sidelines. It was good for him to be in that environment and understand what it takes to win the game planning, the adjustments that you're going to have to make, but... The best experience is actually being on the field and taking those hits and being in that environment when the crowd is roaring. And especially if you're going to be the four seed, if you win that first game, you're going on the road the rest of the way. So get him any bit of experience he can. I, I don't consider any any route to the playoffs to be bad, really. I mean, when after Carson down, who thought that Nick Foles was going to take them far. I thought right. the, the Falcons was a one-and-done thing. I thought we were going to show up to Lincoln Financial Field, get absolutely buried by a team that went out and beat the Rams, who were a hot team, and look what happened. Won us a Super Bowl. So time you, you and time can't... again, you've seen the hot teams win Super Bowls. Do you know, like, the Giants, two of the oh, Giants 100%. Teams, even us, I mean, we, me and you like to talk about that 2008 season a lot for the Eagles. They made it at 9-6-1, and one, right? 
and they made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. They were leading that game with five minutes to go after that Deshaun Jackson touchdown. So, look, even if it's at 8-8, eight eight, they can win the division at 8-8. Eight eight. So here's the scenario how they do that. They have to sweep the NFC East games. The Cowboys have to lose 2-4 of four against the Saints, Colts, Buccaneers, and Giants, which to me seems realistic. And the Redskins must lose 1-3 of three against the Giants, Jaguars, and Titans. And that gets you the four seed. Right now I have that projected to play Minnesota in the first round. Just, I mean, even at 8-8, eight eight, I don't care. Just get them in. I think we can beat that Minnesota team too. I, I'm with you. We didn't we didn't play our best game that game at all. I mean, you don't have that big turnover. That was a pick six in the red zone. That's a 14 point swing right there. They had a chance late to come back, even though they were out of it. They were still close. So just get in. That's all it takes. Like I mentioned it the other day when uh when I ran solo, that it's just like the NHL. You just need a chip in a chair. You have to be in. Look at the LA Kings a couple years back. They were the eight seed, got in, I think, on the last day of the regular season, go on to win the Stanley Cup. Like, you just have to be there. That's all it takes. Like, if if you're seven, you're not there, you can't compete, you're shooting for a draft pick. If you're in one of the top six seeds in the playoffs, you're playing into January, you're getting good experience, not just for Carson Wentz, but for a lot of these younger guys. I mean, Avante Maddox, Dallas Goddard. You, you do, if you think that's not going to be essential for them in their progression as players, you're out of your mind. Get them there. Get them that experience because going forward, when you continue to develop this team and teams start to lose their aging veterans and start to build from the youth, I mean, look at the Rams. They have a lot of talent that is towards the peak end of their career, you know? Like, look at Aqib Tlaib. Look at uh, a lot of those guys. Andamakan Su won't be there. So they're going to have to fill in a lot of that youth as well. So if you could get your youth a lot of experience in in at least one playoff game, go for it. And I'm I'm a guy that if they're there, I'm going to root for them 100%. If they're not there, I'm still going to follow them. So whatever happens, happens. But it's not over till it's over, as we saw in that 2008 season when literally everything had to go their way. It still can. It's not over. I'm I'm still 100% on this team. Let's take a quick break here in the Lockdown Eagles podcast. When we come back, me and Gino will keep taking our first look at this big Monday Night Football matchup at Lincoln Financial Field between the Eagles and the Redskins. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, it's BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue in the sky. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew.com prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, code C-O-D-E. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code, code, to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast today. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Eagles, this Wednesday edition. First look at the Washington Redskins Monday Night Football battle with the Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. Gino, is this the biggest game of Carson? Like, so the Rams game last year, I feel like, was the biggest test for him. But is this the most important game of Wentz's career so far? 
I think the Giants game was too. I mean, right. going forward, all these games are do or die. Uh, I know Elliot Shore Parks, one of our best friends that we like to talk about oh, from uh, 94 WIP. He actually made a pretty valid point that that Giants win could be one of the textbook wins in Carson Wentz's career. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins sparked it, but what did Carson do the rest of the way? He was super efficient down the stretch in that game. Didn't Brought have any them completion back. in the fourth quarter which is unbelievable. And you talk about him not being clutch. Just look at that stat line. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not huge on stats, but that alone just proves that he did what he had to do. He stepped up, got them the lead, and went down and uh, did what he had to do. He, they were down 16 points at one point, and they're not just scoring points from continually running the ball over and over again. Carson was still throwing the ball. Like, Josh Adams, yes, he was essential in that, but I put that win on Carson, and Monday night's going to be the same scenario. Uh, division opponent. With their back against the wall as well, with talent that isn't the best, but it's still a division game. And these and division teams, yeah, and it's at home. The Lincoln Financial Field might just shake Philadelphia off of the United States in general. They might create a, a fault line in in the continental United States with how loud that place is going to be on Monday night it's because be it like is a, a do or die playoff game. Yeah, because you have to have this win. I mean, there's. There's no getting around it, and that's why the game against the Giants was huge for Wentz, and this one's even bigger. And I understand Washington's defense is pretty good this year, but if Carson Wentz can't make more plays against Washington's defense and Colt McCoy makes more plays on the Eagles' defense, that to me is inexcusable. And I'm not expecting it because, again, Wentz, he's stepped up lately. Outside of the Saints game, I just I wrote an article for LockdownEagles.com talking about, talking about Wentz's improved fourth-quarter performance since that Carolina game when all the critiques really got on him. He's 23 of 24 in the fourth quarter for over 200 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions in the fourth quarter against Jacksonville, Dallas, and New York. So if this game's close again, I trust him to make plays. And I just, man, this one's personal too. Washington ended the Eagles season basically in 2014 with that game, I think it was week, it was one of the last couple weeks of the season where Deshaun took us out. And then in 2015, that game at Washington, remember when Kirk Cousins kneeled it instead of spiking it? which was the funny part of the game. But what wasn't funny is that Deshaun Jackson, once again, spoiled the Eagles' season. I just watch – I mean, we, we all – the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry is huge, but I almost can't stand Washington equally as much. I hate every single team in our division. I mean, the Giants are just laughable at this point. Yeah, I never – I think Eli out there, but because we've owned I don't the Giants like Washington. So much, because we've owned the Giants so much – I don't really hate them as much. Whereas Washington, we've kind of had to deal with. Kirk Cousins gave us problems for a couple of years. Yeah, and thank God he's out of the division, even though he's still not, not with the anymore. money that he's getting paid. Exactly. But it's it's the Redskins, and they always give us fits. I mean, Ryan Kerrigan, he might never retire. He's been wreaking havoc on us for years, and I'm sure he'll have a big impact on this game. But the, these division games, you can't. You can't just expect them to go out and win. Like an, it, the Vegas line again is like six or seven points in favor of the Eagles, which I find ridiculous. Because when is the last time the Eagles outright blew out a division opponent? Like they did it to the Giants this year and to Dallas last year, but still they're they're always close. Like doesn't matter. I I don't care who's at the helm. Like these defenses are two very good defenses that it could come down to defense at the end of the game, and it could be a rather low scoring game. Who knows? So. The, the thing is, I think Carson Wentz is going to step up in this game. I mean, they've been a lot, a lot. Washington's been allowing a ton of big plays, both in the past and the run game. And 
frankly, that addition of HaHa Clinton Dix was just absolutely putrid. I, I'm, right before I got on the podcast, I was actually writing my scouting report for the Scouting Academy on HaHa Clinton Dix. And, man, he stinks. Like, his footwork is so atrocious. You saw play against Dallas on Thanksgiving where he just lost leverage because he does not know how to not cross his feet when he's attacking the ball. So he'll overplay receivers all the time. And if they can't get Golden Tate into space against him or Nelson Aguilar to turn and run against him, they're just not watching the film because they can expose this defense. Josh Norman hasn't been the same Josh Norman since he was in Carolina. And I don't even know who their other starting corner is on the outside. This this team is there for the taking. Like They can go in and absolutely decimate this Washington defense if they game plan correctly, come out hot for one time this season, which they cannot seem to do. And if Carson can transfer that fourth quarter numbers into the first quarter, whew, man, we could start putting up 30 points again really soon. Let's try to recreate that 2010 magic. Maybe we'll do a little play action in the first play, and we'll target uh, Nelson Aguilar down the field like Victor did to Sean Jackson. Odd points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be fun. I mean, they've done it before on Monday Night Football a few times to Washington, not only in 2010, but Chip Kelly's first game in 2013, they did it with Michael Vick. So, yeah, hopefully this could be the game that Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar get back into the Knicks because they've kind of been MIA. Although Aguilar had a good game against the Cowboys, really just that one deep play. They've kind of been MIA since Golden Tate's come in, so hopefully that they can take advantage of this Washington secondary. On the other side, though, Gino, like you said, this could be a battle of defense. Hopefully the Eagles' defensive line can build off of that second-half performance. They need to limit Adrian Peterson. They cannot allow him to have the success that Saquon Barkley had in the first half. Thank God that Pat Shermer went away from him in the second half. Don't know what he was doing. But hopefully this defensive line, including Michael Bennett, was just extremely disruptive all game long. They can build off it because as banged up as the Eagles have been on defense, Washington has been just as much on offense. Their offensive line is pretty much all backups. Yeah, the addition of Timmy Jernigan in this game is going to be huge because their two guards are just street agents like our cornerbacks were last game. Like they're week four preseason type guys. So if they can really start to expose that middle of the uh, middle of the offensive line and get pressure in Colt McCoy's face. It's going to be like Case Keenum in in that Minnesota game, you know, like he looks good the first couple drives, but if you can continually get pressure to him, you're going to create turnovers because you saw last week when they played the Cowboys, like you just have to get to him and sometimes you don't even have to get to him and he'll turn the ball over. So I think the key in this game is exposing that middle of the offensive line. Don't let Adrian Peterson get going and make some plays on the back end. Like you're going to have to have your secondary step up. Like when's the last time we saw a huge pass breakup? Like, you need one of those from it's time really to time just again. Been, it's just been Malcolm Jenkins doing it, though. and <laughs> He's the only guy in the secondary doing anything. <laughs> he came up with a big interception last week. I don't think we appreciate Malcolm Jenkins. I, I, I went back yesterday and was just watching highlights of him and looking at some of his numbers since he joined the team in 2014. Thank God they picked him, by the way, instead of Jarius Bird to target. Oh, thank the Lord. Because Malcolm Jenkins has been the backbone of this defense. I mean, he's played linebacker, safety, corner, slot. He has been everywhere, one of the biggest assets in the past defense and also against the run too he's been awesome like tackling we we see all these missed tackles by corners in eagles history really in the past 10 years malcolm Jenkins is one of the best tacklers on this team and he's just been so valuable to this team for four years and he he's a he's a key in this game as well though that interception 
to end the half against the Giants was big because they kept it. They kept the score. They did not. The Giants were, remember, in the red zone. That would have made it a big deficit. It would have made it tough for the Eagles to come back. It could have been the difference in that game, and Jenkins comes up big with the interception. With some corners coming back from some injuries, Jenkins is going to be key again to rely on. The good thing is Washington doesn't have a guy at wide receiver that I'm like, oh, man, we got to cover him this week. Yeah, that guy was Paul Richardson, but he's out for the year. Like, right. uh, if I mean, Josh Dodson will make one great catch every, like, four weeks. And then he'll drop about four of them because exactly. he has stone hands. But, yeah, you there's no right that you should not win this game. Like, I think, uh, who was it? Ike Reese said it best. If you lose to Colt McCoy, you do not deserve to be in the playoffs. Exactly. So, At home, and, on the biggest stage, I do not want to lose to Colt McCoy. Please. Especially that he's on the Redskins, but I, I don't think so. I think the leadership group, they held themselves accountable last week, and look what happened. Malcolm Jenkins came out and said, we have to look ourselves in the face, and we have to be held accountable. And look at what he did. He stepped up on the biggest stage. Carson Wentz stepped up on the biggest yeah. stage. Michael Bennett made big plays. The like The guys that needed up. to make the plays. Yeah, the coaching staff, too. Like, you give it give it to them. Jim Schwartz, for once, made adjustments, and look I mean, at what happened. he listened to the players. This is what I, I, that's what I loved hearing, was not only that Doug Peterson let the— I mean, this is why Doug Peterson's such a great head coach, is that he lets players take ownership. And when they wanted to keep running the football, Doug Peterson said, all right, let's do it. And it led to the touchdown to tie up the game. On defense, what me and you have been harping about all season long is Jim Schwartzman, make adjustments. Listen to your players. Malcolm Jenkins goes to him and says, let's keep it simple. Let's let this defensive line eat. Jim Schwartz listened to him, and look at the defensive difference from the first half to the second against the Giants. It was completely different. It's because the coaches listened. And I, I can't stand when coaches make players form around what they want the players on the field and they don't adjust. It's egotistical and it's stubborn and it's big-headed. And that was a lot of growth from Jim Schwartz. Hats off to him because we've been on him a lot this season, but that was big. That was really big of him. I think it's the performance of the, both of the coaching staffs outside of that first half. Like In the second half, they call the 2017 game. I mean... When you think of that 2017 team, you automatically think of the Philly special. And who called the Philly special? It was Nick Foles. Yep. Like, if you have a trust in your players, which I think Carson lost a lot of trust with Doug earlier in the year. You saw him getting angry at times when he never would get angry before. If they can get back to trusting each other and vibing off each other and Carson making calls at the line and Doug counteracting those calls sometimes and they both have big contributions – when these guys play for each other, they're one of the best teams in football, and you see that. Like, look at the second half last week. If they can replicate that second half the rest of the season, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I think that was a, it was a hell of a coaching performance because they kind of kept it simple and they listened to what the players wanted, and I thought that was huge. Let's take another break here. We'll come back, wrap up the show. We'll get into Ruben Foster because both the Eagles and the Redskins we're tied in with Reuben Foster this week. This is the Locked On Eagles podcast Wednesday edition. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri. Final segment of this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So, Gino, Washington claimed Reuben Foster off of waivers, and he was arrested for another domestic violence situation. But apparently, the Eagles were also involved with. Reuben Foster. Apparently they inquired about him. They talked to the police department that arrested Foster and they the Eagles did their own investigation on the case. 
this is kind of a crazy situation. Washington was the only one that put in a claim on them, and it just seems like Dan, Dan Snyder and really just the NFL in general have has no shame. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the Redskins just because they should have changed their team name about 15 years ago. This just seems like uh, a Dan Snyder type of thing to do. Oh, it's a complete Snyder thing to do, and for them to not even call the the police department down there is just a shame, but that shows you how big of a difference the Eagles organization is in comparison to a lot of the other teams in the league. You go back to the Jack Huff situation, when he, what, he got arrested for having a gun in his car, I think, and maybe some marijuana or something yeah, along Huff. those lines? Yeah, yeah, Josh Huff, yep. They cut him instantly. Like they they have no use for guys like this because they want to build a character a character organization you know that that's who the, these guys look for look at who their quarterback is Carson Wentz might be the straightest shooter in the entire NFL you know they they create this bond of brotherhood and just doing the right thing at all times and you don't want to bring a guy like Reuben Foster into your locker room but if you bring him into Washington and contaminate that that locker room go ahead do that but. I think there's no place for guys like that in the NFL, but Washington likes to compel as many Alabama players as they can. So I can't say I'm too shocked about this pickup, but he he's not even going to play this week. So he might be a headache in week 17, but at this current point in time, he's no concern to me. So the only takeaway I have from it as on the Eagles perspective is that they inquired about a young, talented linebacker, and I wonder what that means for their view on the current linebacker situation with Jordan Hicks being a free agent in the offseason and with Nigel Bradham having the performances that he's had so far this season, although I thought he was pretty good against the Giants. He, by the way, now has a broken thumb. He had surgery on but he should play against Washington. just doesn't seem like the Eagles can catch a break. But anyway, I digress. The Eagles' linebacker situation is interesting because if they're inquiring about younger, talented players, I know Hicks is injured, but I wonder if this has anything to do with their thoughts about him long-term as well, because he hasn't really had the best season this year, and he missed most of last year to injury. 100%. I think that's a big area of concern, but if you go back and watch Camus' game, I thought he that was, was very good. promising. He was very good, and he continued to get better, and uh, the opposite on end of the spectrum from a Reuben Foster, he is a high-character guy. He goes out there, he contributes on special teams, he does every single thing that's asked of him. Kickoffs last week, year? Yeah, yeah, the first week when uh, <laughs> Nigel Bradham was out, he stepped in, had a starter role, next week he gets benched. Did he say a word about it? Nope, just came out, put on his work boots every single day, went out there and balled, and then when Jordan Hicks goes down, he comes out there and is second on the team and tackles behind He nearly Corey had Graham. a pick six against Dallas on Sunday Night Football. I mean, Bradham both have combined one good hand. I mean, one two, one set of hands, you know? So it, going forward, the linebacking core, when we get into ranking issues that we need at the draft, will be very big. So I, I do think them inquiring about Reuben Foster was very ton of what they think of Jordan Hicks. I mean, you might have two guys in Darby and Hicks that you could sign back on one-year proof deals, but we've seen how effective those have been they they're they're 50 50 you know so yeah they need to invest in a solid stud linebacker that can stay healthy because look at some of the teams in the nfl i mean look at luke keekley he he's a force to be reckoned with i know guys like him don't come along every day but if you can have a solid quarterbacking linebacker that can take a lot of the pressure off of malcolm jenkins and because 90 percent of the time he's playing where a linebacker would play you know between the uh, the defensive line and the safety a good percentage of the time. So if you could take a lot of the 
the workload off of him and uh, to bring a good young linebacker in here that is a smart, intelligent guy who who makes plays and is a good run-stuffing guy that you could pair along with maybe Nigel Bradham and Camus, I think it's a move you have to make, especially earlier in the draft. But we'll get into that as we go down the yeah. line. But it is very telling. I think that was a good point you made. So we'll see going forward. Uh, what is the status on Hicks? I haven't heard anything on him. So he's still week to week, and I, they don't sound very optimistic about it. I don't know if he's going to be back anytime soon. They might be out of it maybe by the time. Maybe he can come back if they get into the playoffs. He might be back at the end, tail end of the regular season. But for me, I think looking into Reuben Foster means, too, I don't think they don't like Jordan Hicks. I like Jordan Hicks still, and I think on a good deal I would still bring him back with Camus and Bradham. But if he gets a decent offer in free agency I don't know if the Eagles are going to match that so it, it'll be interesting but I think them inquiring about Foster is definitely telling so that's going to do it for today's Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast part of the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day make sure to follow all our Lockdown Eagles accounts at Lockdown Birds at DiBiase LOE and at Gino underscore LOE so for my co-host Gino Camilleri I'm Lou DiBiase signing off we'll see you tomorrow for Locked On. Eagles Locked On Redskins Crossover Edition. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.